This is One on One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With the top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One on One's NFL Friday. And if you can believe it, we are nine weeks into the NFL Friday season. Mike Watts alongside Kenny Ducey with us for yet another week. One in a row. Hey, look, it eventually becomes a trend It is that, that you continue to, to show up here on this day at this time. And hopefully eventually I'll start uh, getting better in the standings. Cause... We'll see, man. Things aren't <laughs> looking good for you, but, but we'll give it another couple weeks. We'll see how it goes. You got another week of picks coming up here. We both had rough weeks. We'll talk about that later. There are bigger fish to fry at the moment here during NFL Friday. Obviously, later in the show, we're going to be talking about the Jets. They're going into their bye week, Kenny. Can you find the positive for them? Well, the the uh, immediate positive you take, well, they're not going to lose this week. We think. And Tebow is, uh, or Sanchez, not going to start this week. Uh, question, <laughs> if they go one-on-one this week, first-team offense against first-team defense, who's going to score more points? Sanchez is going to kill Tebow in that. <laughs> it's, well, you know why? Because the Jets have no depth, and like, and like Tebow is going to be throwing, Chaz Schillens will be his top target. <laughs> I mean, you can't win, you can't win like that. No. Well, that's actually usually their their top target anyways, but but we'll get there later. We're talking Giants. They escaped from Dallas with a win, but this week has already begun with Thursday night, as it always is, Kenny, and Kansas City still hasn't led in regulation yet this year. Is there anything that can be said to Kansas City fans to talk them off the ledge? Well, you tried Brady Quinn, and that didn't work, so Matt Castle, whether you want to boo him or not, he's back, and... I, he, 181 yards, 19 for 29. It, that's all right. Jamal Charles only carried the ball 12 times. Well, that's what I have the problem with. Right, and he did get injured in the fourth quarter. Yeah. He had a neck injury there in the fourth quarter. But even then, there's three quarters before that, and your best player is not carrying the football enough. And at what point, and it's something that, that I mentioned right before we went on the air here, at what point do you say Romeo Cornell is a great defensive coordinator with the Patriots and – he was a great defensive coordinator for a little bit with the Browns. They they did pretty well for a couple of years stopping the run. He's just not a head coach. I don't think so. I completely agree with you. I, I think that he can be and still can he still can be a good defensive coordinator somewhere in the NFL. But right now it's just not working out in Kansas City. And Mike, I, I wanted to mention something, and we we sh- we'll talk about Romeo, but. Back to the Jamal Charles thing. Matt sure. Castle carried the ball six times. That's half as many times as, as Charles carried it. So Who is an all-pro. Charles yeah. is an all-pro. In my opinion, and I people will get mad at me for saying this, I think he's a top-five talent in the NFL, talent-wise. He's top five, maybe even top three. You're saying of all positions. No, ha- ha- at, at running at back. The at running back, position. Yes. Actually, I agree with that sentiment. I mean, if, if you think off the bat right now, guys who are more talented than Jamal Charles, you think, okay, uh, Adrian Peterson, oh, okay. Ray Rice, uh, Ray Rice, I, I, Matt Forte. A lot of people would say would be over Jamal Charles. Okay. I mean, there are people you could put up there, obviously, and you know there are guys coming up. Trent Richardson comes to mind who was drafted this year. Uh, Reggie Bush had a great year before he got injured, and I, I know uh, a lot of people aren't buying into what he's selling at this point. But there are some talented guys. Marshawn Lynch is second in the league in yards. If you can believe it. 
Alfred Morris is third in the league in rushing. Oh, Ridley is fourth, and then Arian Foster, who's yeah. an obvious top five. Well, Mac would be going nuts if he heard that about Morris because he's a <laughs> he, he's like, oh, that in fantasy, Morris killing me. He he loves to talk about him, but no, I mean. Uh, I really think that that is their problem. I really think that you have a star back there. And we saw it two years ago. He got hurt last year. But two years ago, he was a stud. He was he was one of the top backs in the NFL. And and they're not even giving him the ball enough. I don't I don't like that at all. And they're, they're not throwing to John Baldwin, who was their top pick last, last year. And they, they still don't utilize him. They continue to throw exclusively to Dwayne Bowe, which works. I mean, he, he had 10 targets, 8 catches, but... Uh, you got to start giving the ball to other players, start creating, you know? You you can't just do the same old thing. It's going to be easy to predict. Well, and the Chiefs, after this, do not play again until the 12th, obviously. They get this long week. They already had their bye week after the Bucks game. Then went out and laid an egg against Oakland. But looking forward, they play the Steelers on the road. Then they get three straight home games, Cincinnati, Denver, and Carolina. Kenny, my question to you, when do the Chiefs finally have a lead in regulation? Is it in the next four weeks? I think it's coming in the next four <laughs> weeks. I mean, and, and that's and that's just a gut feeling because I, the same reason why uh, I have an interesting pick later with Atlanta is because it's, these things in football tend not to last. And I really think that, it, you know, especially looking at the schedule, I mean, Cincinnati, I'm sure they could have the lead, even Carolina. Cleveland, I'm sorry, Mike, but Cleveland, that, that's a game that they should be leading at one point, maybe even if it's an opening field goal. It'll happen eventually. It'll happen in the next couple of weeks. Eventually. And as for teams that maybe aren't playing up to their potential, one team in New York comes to mind. It would be the New York Jets. Let's lead off with what Joe Vitiello has to say about the New York Jets. Oh, Joe. Joe? <laughs> the Jets were dominated by the Miami Dolphins this past Sunday, 30-9. The game got late early as the Finns scored a touchdown on a blocked punt to go up 10-zip in the first quarter. The damage was done by the end of the second quarter as the Jets were being shut out 20 to nothing. In the second half, their play got a little better, going from abysmal to horrendous thus leading us to the 30-9 final. Even after this beatdown, Mark Sanchez still finds some way to see the light at the end of the tunnel. At home, divisional opponent, before the bye week, I mean, you name it. It was set up for us to really uh, go into this bye week feeling good, get back to 500, be right where we wanted to be in our division. And now, you know, we made things difficult for us, but there's, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. What Mark fails to realize is that light at the end of the tunnel is an oncoming train. The Jets now head into their bye week at 3-5. and five. They've lost their top offensive and defensive playmakers to injury. It's time for a change. A big change. The problem is, Rex still believes Sanchez gives them the best chance to win. I believe in Mark. I, I think Mark will, has proven that he can, he can win in this league and he's proven that he can win for the, you know, uh, and I just think that it gives us our best, you know, our best chance to win. That's that's uh, my opinion, and that's the one that matters. Even though he is solidly endorsing Sanchez as his quarterback, Ryan is going to reevaluate the team's use of backup Tim Tebow. At least Rex is warming to the idea of more Tebow mania. I'll be the first to admit that he's not a very good quarterback, but I'll leave you with this: 
Can you get much worse than the inconsistent Sanchez? Covering the... I am Joe Vidiello, WFUV Sports. And Joe, with maybe the most harsh opinion piece so far of the campaign, talking about the New York Jets and especially Mark Sanchez, the Jets coming off a 30-9 loss. They trailed 20 nothing at halftime, and it felt like it should have been a lot more than that. It just You felt like that game was over after 30 minutes, but... Ryan Tannehill did not play much. He was injured. Matt Moore came off the bench, played reasonably well. Mark Sanchez, 28 of 54 for 283 yards, a touchdown, a pick, and four sacks. Kenny, I, I know you are a hardcore Jets fan. Let, let's hear it from you first because I feel like you will, will give me perhaps the, the best view of from, from okay, Jets yeah. camp. I can. And, and we were talking about it before the show. Right. Tim Tebow should play more. I thought he should have played more against the Dolphins, and I'm not saying he should be starting a quarterback yet. I still don't think that. I I agree with Rex Ryan, and I disagree with Joe Vidiello that Mark Sanchez gives this team the best opportunity to win. Now, he's very inconsistent. We've seen guys in the NFL more inconsistent. I mean, we've seen Michael Vick threaten to get benched because he turns the ball over too much, and it is a problem. Sanchez, his decision-making is questionable at times. But you look at what this guy's done. You look at his body of work. And you look at Tebow's body work. Now, Tim Tebow shook the nation last year. But you look at some of those teams he beat, and they weren't so good. And, and I can kind of see that happening down the stretch where the, the Jets have an easy schedule, and if they decided to start Tim Tebow, he would win. And and whether or not it's because they play easy opponents, you know, that's another story. But w- looking at the pieces that Mark Sanchez has around him, it is time to start yelling and calling for Mike Tannenbaum's head. I really am upset with this team, and especially, Mike, as, as we will probably talk about trade deadline stuff later on in the show. Sure. D'Angelo Williams was a name that was thrown out there. Sean Green, abysmal. Why not make a move for D'Angelo Williams? What is the hurt in that? He, he, his contract, you can handle it. The Jets have room under their cap. And he, he's a t- he's talented at running back. And you can't say, besides Joe McKnight, you have anyone who's talented at running the ball. You, you need a running game if you want Sanchez to throw well and perform well. And you need an offensive line. And that offensive line, three pro bowlers, and we still saw last year they were garbage. Uh, Austin Howard has helped a little bit. but he, he And when he gets time, Mike, he throws well. So you need time in the pocket and a running game, and Mark Sanchez will win. Well, I, there, there are two comments here. And the first one is something that our all-pro producer in the back, we also have an all-pro engineer, not to throw Nick Legerfo under the bus, but Julian Atienza says, of course, last year the Jets were one of those teams that Tim Tebow beat. Don't forget that. And they yeah. weren't very good at that point. Well, I, that's, I suppose, up, up for discussion. I mean, I think they were better than they are at this current juncture obviously, with maybe a couple of their best playmakers injured. But Sean Green averaged five yards a carry this week. Sean Green actually had a fairly good game. He actually found a way to move the football a little bit. Five yards a carry isn't bad. So when you look at at, at Tim Tebow, I I, I was interacting, I believe, a a sports writer for the Wall Street Journal on Twitter, where I said, look, you know, if if you have a quarterback right now who can't consistently throw the football, which – when you're throwing in a 50% completion clip, you can't accurately throw the football on a regular basis. So Mark Sanchez not getting it done through the air. At the very least, can you at least have your quarterback run the football somewhat effectively? I mean, that, that's where I come at with Tim Tebow. I mean, at the very least, Tim Tebow gives you five yards of carry on the ground. 
Well, when he's at quarterback, not so much. But I think that if you've handed him off the ball, Mike, I mean, every time hand the he ball to Tebow, every time you bring him in, Tony Sperano calls the same d- dive play over the middle. Of course, it's not going to work. I mean, the biggest problem they face right now is whenever they bring Tim Tebow in, he's only there to run. He's a quarterback. He might not be a great Debatable. quarterback, but he's a quarterback Debatable. nonetheless. I think right now, even though Mark Sanchez is the prototypical passer, I just don't see how he wins with the weapons around him. And that's where I agree with you. I do think Mike Tannenbaum at some point needs to needs to face the music because he put terrible weapons around Mark Sanchez. It, it wasn't that he put terrible weapons around him; is that he didn't put any. He just he, he didn't put Sans- any effort in. Santonio Holmes that was that, a couple years ago. Right, that was two years ago. Right, and Sean Green that was a draft pickup a couple years ago. And even then, he didn't turn out. No, he hasn't and, turned out at they, all. And they picked a running back, and and except for last, uh, except for this draft, they picked a running back three years in a row in the draft, and none of them. Bilal Powell, yeah, he's been all right this year. He's probably a complimentary back if, if you wanted to get a D'Angelo Williams something like that. I don't like Sean Green because he's a bruiser. That's not what the Jets need. The Jets need a running back who could make big plays. We saw Sean Green longest run of his career, thirty three <laughs> yards. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it's absolutely absurd. You need it. He's only averaging. You know, under four yards a carry this year, you need a big playmaker. That's why LaDainian Tomlinson worked for the Jets, because he was able to make those big runs when he needed to, and he still had a little bit left in the tank. You need a guy who can bust out a big run, because you need to gain yards more than one way. I guess what I don't understand is, is how every team in the league seems to find a running back. I mean, there's a couple teams that have no running game, but the Patriots find Danny Woodhead and make him work. Well, he was on whereas, the Jets. Whereas first. the Jets didn't. I mean, that's yeah. my point. I just don't don't see how over and over again they can't find that late round running back that gives them a couple years the way everyone else in the league seems to. Well, they traded up for Sean Green right. and they thought they had a guy and and they took Thomas Jones out of town because he wanted money and they, maybe you pay Thomas Jones, maybe you don't, but I mean, they certainly. You're, you, I agree with you about the Patriots. They just they have a knack for finding talent, and I mean, I, I I don't know what to say at this point, Mike. I think that Tim Tebow is a serviceable running back for this team. I think they he should get snaps at running back. I've been saying that ever since they traded for Tim Tebow, and and quarterback maybe it's a possibility if Sanchez continues to do this, but. I mean, I I just I think that Sanchez has shown you in the in the first couple of years of his career that he can win playoff games and he can win big games. He had the comeback against the Browns. I'm sure you remember the Texans. And sure, that was two years ago. But I mean, he's got it in the tank, and he, you know he just needs a little bit of a little bit of confidence. The Jets need some spark right now, and that'll get everyone going. Well, and of course, you mentioned Thomas Jones, and he's now 34 and not in the league, and he only spent two years with the Chiefs. He played in all 32 games those two years and finished with about 1,400 yards. So really not all that productive either. But switching off of of the running back position, going back to where you were going with the quarterback position, at what point, is there a point where you finally say, you know what, it's time, what more can we lose by putting in Tim Tebow? Is that point going to come? Now, it it it's funny because I don't think it's going to come because of their schedule. I think they're about to win a bunch of games. Do you think like, they'll? My problem is you look at Seattle, and they are a great defense. They have been all year. What if Sanchez goes out and lays an egg on that game? Then it sets it up for for Timmy Tebow to, to come in against destroy, a very easy schedule. Destroy the Rams. That's right. And and they have New England and 
I mean, I, Mike, I look at if they can get past Seattle, and we saw what the Dolphins did after a long bye week, and the Dolphins didn't look good before this bye week. Well, they, they, they already beat the Jets once. No, they, they, well, they What they more didn't. do they need to no, do? They, no, they didn't. They, the Jets won that game in overtime. Oh, come on. They I, won. Uh, They're the Dolphins. The Dolphins were incapable of winning that game from the opening kickoff because they were the Dolphins. And the Dolphins, they had I, a— uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that at all. I— Look, at what, they proved it. at what point are the Jets not as good as the Dolphins because of the on-field results? Long bye week or not? Well, the Jets are 2-2 two and two in the AFC East. They it, split with the Dolphins. But but with the, with the Dolphins, you are starting with a, with, with a rookie quarterback who gets injured, a, a quarterback who played very well. And then you bring in Matt Moore. Who is a career backup has no. Hey, he legitimate... played well last year. Yeah, yeah, I liked how he, he played. He last played year. nice off the bench, but he's like Kelly Holcomb. He'll give you eight great games, and then he will just totally crap the bed. I, I <laughs> forgot about that name, Kelly Holcomb. Of course, with with the Vikings and the Browns, and and even before that elsewhere. But look, I mean, the problem that you're running into right now, I think, is that you are in. In in a territory where you've already latched your entire franchise to, to Mark Sanchez. I mean, at what point do you just say we didn't give him the weapons to succeed and Tim Tebow better fits what this team has right now? I, That's my problem. I mean, maybe the, the Jets aren't a good team. If Tim Tebow makes them an average team, I'd do it. I mean, Tebow, Tebow would certainly win games, Mike, and there's no debating that, but... Uh, you know, there, it just throws a, a monkey wrench, and especially since Woody Woody Johnson said he wants Tebow around for three years. You just signed Sanchez to an extension. If Tebow works well in this offense, Mike, because this offense is nothing except for, you know, it's nothing because they don't even have their best offensive player. But if Tebow works well here, that's completely different than how he'll work next year. If True. the Jets had a receiver, the Jets had a left guard, right. the Jets had a running back, you could throw Mark Sanchez in there. He could win 10, 12 games. I mean, if you have the right guys around him. I really believe that. And But the the problem you have is if Tebow finishes out this year, people are going to want Tebow to keep starting. Yeah, and I think a, a problem here is, is when you look at Mark Sanchez, he was successful when he was asked to manage the football game. They well, had LT, they had Sean Green, and there's nothing wrong with being a game manager when it gets you to the AFC Championship. Alex Smith but they is. don't give him the weapons with which to manage the game. They're asking him to throw 50 times a game. The, the win against the, against the uh, Dolphins, which you, you mentioned you corrected me on, that was a win, of course, 21 of 45 for 306 yards. That doesn't win most games. That shouldn't win most games. That's not good enough. I, I, I'm telling you, Mike, and, and we saw that, that Alex Smith was able to manage a game and, and bring the Niners into the NFC Championship game. I, I have a problem with what you were saying about Sanchez, though, because I, I right now I can't get his playoff numbers up here, but he made some tremendous throws to beat the Colts and a Peyton Manning, when Peyton Manning was actually on the Colts, when they were actually good, uh, he, he's made big, big throws time and time again in the playoffs to win games and that's the only reason why I say that he doesn't. He's not just sitting back and not losing. You know, he's going out and winning these games when they need to. And this recently, he hasn't been doing that. So I'm not going to say that he consistently does that. He's just a very inconsistent quarterback. But does he have the potential? And has he done it? And can he do it? Yes. You just need the right guys around him, as we've been saying. And really, right now, things are not looking up for any of these guys on this team. Well, and obviously, you need to start looking at and and I. 
looked at at the start of the year, and you look at Mark Sanchez's numbers as a, as a quarterback, then you look at Eli Manning's in the first three years, and they're very, very similar. This year, there's nothing about Mark Sanchez that makes you go, oh, yeah, all right, well, I mean, he's clearly coming along the way Eli did in the fourth year. His numbers are as bad, if not worse, than, than every year since his rookie year. And when you look at his quarterback rating, which obviously is an incomplete statistic, it's it's right around you know it's 72.8. That's below the last two years, but ahead of his first year. But more importantly, I, I, the, the stat I like to look at is yards per attempt. I think that that okay. tells you essentially how, how good a quarterback you have. 6.4, that is below every year he's had. I mean, it, it, at what point is he not growing as a quarterback? Even if Mark Sanchez were to play well or to play poorly, let's talk about the defense for a minute because this is actually a team that is bigger than the quarterback position. We often forget that. When you look at uh, this defense, the Dolphins were below 35% on third down. That's a fairly good number. They, they weren't moving the football up and down the field. And some of their scores, uh, obviously, were you know, shorter, shorter plays. I mean, they, they weren't long plays where there's busted up coverage, uh, or many of them, I would say. But the, the point I'm trying to make here is the defense isn't that bad. And, and for, the, for the guys they have lost, that's pretty impressive. How about the special teams, Mike? They were atrocious. Oh, I'm Jesus, not, Mary the defense was, was, was <laughs> fine. The defense yeah. played well. The, the special teams. Tim Tebow lets a guy run right up the middle free for the the punt block and the score. I mean, they they, they let up a that kick return, I, I believe, for a touchdown. I mean, just so many things going wrong, Mike. What do you do about about I mean, special teams I being that I mean, bad? Is I there... mean, Westoff's been great. I mean, uh, yeah, I I think it's I don't know what happened, but the odds certainly stacked against the Jets uh, on on Sunday. That was to me. The most striking thing that happened because I, you can always rely on the Jets special teams. That doesn't matter. Justin Miller back there years ago with, I mean, it doesn't matter who's. And you remember on that how good a returner unit. what Leon Washington. Yeah, right? I mean, returner after returner after returner, and just something went wrong, and I don't know what it was, but they usually have a solid, a solid unit, and, and it wasn't there so, on Sunday. So before we transfer here to the Giants, if there's one thing, one thing that you want to see change from that game to the next game over this bye week, two weeks basically to prepare for this game. What are you asking that team to work on? Well, it would have been trade for D'Angelo Williams, but that didn't happen. Right. I say you got to work on that Wildcat more because when they brought in Tim Tebow, that what they did was they brought in the potential to win because all, all the NFL is nowadays is about confusing the heck out of defenses, and that's exactly what Tim Tebow can do. So work on that Wildcat, expand it a little more, add some wrinkles, maybe use him. I'm telling you, if you have him at fullback, Green at, at running back, and, and Sanchez under center, there are so many things that that defense has to be ready for. You need to use him more, just not at the quarterback position yet. So the Giants played in a very interesting game. Let's go talk about them. And what better way to do that than to go to the musical stylings of Eric Malo? Football is a game of inches. Just ask the Giants. New York squeezed out a win in Dallas last Sunday, 29-24. But it would have been a loss had Des Bryant's pinky finger stayed in bounds on Tony Romo's last second Hail Mary. It was an uncharacteristic game for New York. Victor Cruz was held to two catches, 
and Eli Manning threw for a season low 192 yards. This week, the Giants head back home to host the Pittsburgh Steelers. And head coach Tom Coughlin understands the implications of this matchup. When you talk about tradition in the National Football League, you don't get any more traditional than the New York Giants and the Pittsburgh Steelers. While the tradition is significant, it doesn't supersede all the difficulties that have struck the states of New Jersey and New York following Hurricane Sandy. The players have downplayed the importance of Sunday's game, and the hurricane will have quite an effect on the game itself, as Pittsburgh has to fly into New Jersey Sunday morning to play that afternoon. Coach Coffin has had to put in perspective all that has happened over the course of this week. We realize this is a part of life. It's a part of, you know, we've been struck by a blow by Mother Nature, and uh, we have to deal with it the best way we can. But when we get the players here and get them focused, they understand how, how critically important uh, this preparation is. The Giants do have a football game to play. And while I think they'll come out motivated, I'm concerned with how they'll actually perform. Eli Manning has thrown for under 200 yards for two of the last three weeks, and the defense has been prone to giving up big plays. I think the Giants will improve their record to 7-2, but Eli has to play better, and the Giants' offense has to give the defense a breather and keep them off the field. And I think they'll do just that. Giants 27, Pittsburgh 23. Covering the Giants, I'm Eric Malo, WFUV Sports. Not just Eric Malo, but the, the Eric Malo. The Eric Malo with that report, and a lot of it centering around Hurricane Sandy, obviously. And before we go any further, obviously, much bigger than football. And so our thoughts going out to the people. I know Hoboken is half underwater right now over in New Jersey and you know, Staten Island in peril. It's, it's absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just you know, anyone who lost a loved one or anyone who was hurt in the storm. There's so many things surrounding this that happened that. That affected people in a big way, so our, definitely our prayers are with them. Well, and, and I'm from Cleveland, and my house in Cleveland lost power from Hurricane Sandy, so it reached pretty far west yeah. here. But obviously, again, thoughts and prayers go out to everybody who was affected by the storm. But before we even talk about last week for the Giants, let's talk slightly about this week. Pittsburgh, according to James Harrison, for the first time since his high school days, <laughs> is traveling to a game the day of the game. He has not done that since high school. They will fly into Newark on Sunday morning. They play at 4.30. They are flying in. They're going to a hotel. They're going to have lunch or, or a pregame meal and then go out to the Meadowlands. Should this game be played in New York after this hurricane occurred? It's, it's tough to say it should, Mike. I, and at Newark is the probably the worst place that you could pick to fly into. Well, and LaGuardia that, is right on the water, too, yeah, so yeah, that's not yeah, good. Yeah, we saw pictures of the, the runway. I right. Mean, but Newark, I mean, that whole town was without power. And should it be played in New York? I really don't think so. I mean, but if, if they have the marathon... And they're going to continue with that. I well, mean, and to be honest, I disagree with that, too. I do. I, I mean, I do, I think too. that's very, very inconsiderate of, of the larger circumstance. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Knicks are playing at the Garden. And that's, all, that's all different because that's in New York and, and in the city where it's it's accessible. You know, mm-hmm. you can run trains to Grand, uh, Grand Well, that's Central, why the but, Nets pulled yeah. out of their game. Right, because you can't get down to Brooklyn. And, and New, New Jersey's, a, you know, worse, I think, worse off than Manhattan. And, right. Uh, it, it's tough to play there, but... I mean, getting to this game, Mike, one of the things that's really interesting to me is that the Giants have played so many mobile quarterbacks this year. You know, you look at Vic and Cam Newton, Romo, RG3. you got a guy with, with Roethlisberger, not as fast or as agile as any of those guys, 
But he's a big boy. It's hard to bring that guy down. And it's going to be interesting to see how he evades the pressure of the Giants and if he can evade the pressure. And and those that line, Justin Tuck, you know, Yuma they got to get on Roethlisberger a lot. Well, and I like how you compared previous quarterbacks they've played because they played Tony Romo last week, and it was a decent part, a game of inches, as Eric Malo put it. Yeah. A 29-24 win for the Giants. The Giants led 23 nothing, with two minutes to go in the second quarter. Dallas turning the ball over six times, nearly won Romo, three picks, including a leaping climb-the-ladder effort from Jason Pierre-Paul, jumping over uh, an offensive lineman to grab it, pick six. But he threw for 437. Tony Romo got his. I mean, he he turned the ball over early, but towards the end, he got his. I've always been a big fan Four of Four picks, I'm sorry. I've always been a big fan of him late in the game, and he really showed – he really showed it, and even when they didn't get that first down, Mike, or a touchdown, rather, to go ahead, and the defense stops them, they get the ball back. Perfect, perfect throw to Des Bryant, and ugh, ugh. I mean, I you know, I was, I have to admit, I was rooting against the Giants, so that, ah. that really broke my heart, but that, <laughs> I mean, that was, that was close. Someone's was... rooting for Des Bryant? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. You were rooting for Des Bryant. <laughs> I was rooting for Des Bryant. You need a curfew, man. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> got to get out of the studio right now. <laughs> That's right. But uh, I-, I like how you mentioned that because Ben Roethlisberger has been sacked 13 times this year. He's a different kind of mobile, like you mentioned. He's elusive inside the pocket. Uh, he is a quarterback who fights off pressure, gets hit a ton, but delivers the pass. He- I looked this year, and boy, is Roethlisberger having a good season. Last year he started fairly poorly, but this year in seven games, 2,000 yards passing, 14 touchdowns, three picks, 67% completion. I mean, those are really great numbers. I mean, those are really good numbers. They are. And Tony Romo hasn't had great numbers this year, and he's still through for 437. Is that a concern to you? I I mean, I, I, look, he, uh, Roethlisberger doesn't have Heath Miller this week. So whether or not Roethlisberger is going to be as as effective, you know, that's another story. But, I mean, looking at this quarterback matchup, Mike, I, you look at uh, the, both these guys coming out of the same draft class, and, and Eli, Eli, I think, will, will pass better than Roethlisberger on this occasion. But, I mean, it's about the whole team, Mike, and I don't know the Giants running game. I don't know if they're going to get past the Steelers' defense. Yeah, and more importantly, you, you look at how well the – I want to flip the script here. You look at how well the Giants' defense shut down Felix Jones in this most yeah. recent game, and then you realize that Jonathan Dwyer and, and Rashard Mendenhall are both doubtful for this game. And I think that actually bodes well because, obviously, uh, I think Moeldy Moore isn't on the Steelers anymore, so they're very they thin Red- at the running back Redmond. spot. Got, right. I think Redmond's going to be – and then uh, – uh, Rainy? Rainy, I believe I so. Yeah, out of Florida, a couple of years ago. But uh, obviously they'll be thin, and I think that actually leads well into a point that the Giants' defense is going to aim for this week. It's something that uh, Fewell came out and talked about quite a bit. Antrell Roll, Kenny Phillips, and Stevie Brown are going to be in a three-safety defense. So they'll take a linebacker off the field, continue with their four-down front as they always do, play with your strength. And go with three safeties. And I think in a game like this against Roethlisberger, that is actually going to help the team tremendously. I, you know, I don't know if it's going to, if it's going to necessarily. Oh, it's, sorry, you said it was going to help the Giants. Yeah, I think so. And their secondary, really, Mike, 
their secondary really needs a lot of help, so this is going to help a lot, or it's going to aid them a lot. And Roethlisberger loves to throw those deep balls to yes, Mike he Wallace. Does. he got a lot of speed on that roster, and that's why you might need another safety. And the corner position is really thin for the Giants, so I like the three-safety set, and, you know, it's certainly going to limit what Antonio Brown and Mike Wallace can do. Right, and and obviously you say they like to throw deep, and especially when you realize that they're so thin at the running back position. This is going to be a game where it's all going to be on Roethlisberger's shoulders. I mean, they're much like the Patriots, though, Mike. They they just pick running backs out of nowhere. The <laughs> running backs have been doing pretty decently this year, no matter who's been out there. And Mendenhall's a guy who's actually a high draft pick, and for the last few years he really hasn't been the guy who's carried the load because of yeah. injury. They've found guys. I, I mentioned Mo, uh, Moeldy more earlier. Jonathan Dwyer, I don't think was a was a high pick. No, I mean, off the top yeah, of my just head, just random random running backs really that that have been coming together on this team. So the Giants are six and two here. Eric believes they're going to go to seven and two. I'm looking at the division right now, and you look at Washington right now. They're three and five through eight games. Philly and Dallas are both three and four through seven. Is this division already in the back pocket of the Giants? No. No? This, look at the no? Schedule. Look at the schedule, man. Look at that schedule. You could lose at Pittsburgh. Legitimately, they just need four wins to win the division. I, four. I, it, they're going to be tough. It's not it, Four. It's likely. It's very likely the Giants win. I'm not going to say the Giants aren't going to win the NFC, but is it in the bag yet? You can't say that. All Especially you're doing is asking for a 500 second half of the season. Look, at Pittsburgh, that's a hard game. Green Bay, Washington, Washington. You know RG3 wants his revenge on Monday Night uh, hold Football. Hold on. You can't just skip over the Bengals. They're going to beat the Bengals. <laughs> you can't do that. I, I was just going to go through hard teams. But, yes, uh-huh, the Bengals. No, you got to give credit where it's due here. Worst, worst case scenario, you're going into the by 7-3, and three, I think. Right. Uh, you look at Green Bay, Washington, New Orleans. Now, New Orleans, you know, give or take. You, you, and you that know, is Take that at face New value York. there. Right. Atlanta. Baltimore and Philly. I mean, these are tough teams, and especially Philly's probably going to be contending for that spot. I mean, you can't say it's wrapped up yet, Mike. But, no. But and especially you know, Giants fans know that their team is never you know really consistent throughout this. I mean, you know, they were just good, and then they were great at the end of last year. Um, I I don't know. It, it's going to be tough down the stretch, especially after that bye week. That the goal for the Giants at least go into the bye week one and one. At, at and worst. Be fine. Or is that the goal? That, that, that the, that's the, the goal is win one of these games. Okay, fair enough. I would say going up I mean, against that easy AFC North, they already beat the Browns. I mean, the worst. Come on, the the worst you should be able to do is go two and two against those teams. And obviously, you you got to think that the Packers are a tough matchup, but you're at home. The Redskins, I don't think, are really ready to contend. That game is in Washington Monday night. That is a Monday uh, they're, night they're game. They're going to draw a large crowd for that. Of night. course, and FedEx Field is always pumped up, uh, whatever it may be called now. It may be something else, no, but I think FedEx it's still Field. FedEx. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Saints are coming to, to New York in December. You don't know how well they're going to be able to toss the ball around. So, Giants got to go to Philly. They do have to go. Or no, Sorry, they're hosting uh, yes. Philly, but they have to go to Baltimore and Atlanta. Yeah, and it, it, this is the point where you realize that, man, that loss to, Phil, to Philadelphia back on September 30th, the missed field goal. Yeah. Which, of course, I, I still disagree with the play calling around the field goal, not the field goal itself. I do. Did you, no Orange Times wasn't going to make that field goal. No. No way. That was a career long with the game on the line. Sometimes T- you just got to go. Eh. Times does not make those field goals. 
So I want to talk about one more major thing here with the Giants game, and I, I want to get your opinion on it. All right. Because the Giants and the Cowboys last week was an air fest for, for the Cowboys. I mentioned how many yards that Tony Romo had, 437. Felix Jones, only 13 carries, 19 yards. Jason Witten, 18 yeah. catches for 167 yards. He was having a bad year. Not anymore. <laughs> Talk about a PPR super. If you're in a PPR league for fantasy football. It's like an Amendola I would fly, pickup. I would fly down to Dallas and give Jason Witten a huge hug. I mean, you know how many? <laughs> you get a point per catch. That's 18. You know, you get 160. I mean, that's a ridiculous game he had. And, I mean, talk about Romo likes to throw to Witten and – Wow. I mean, he just kept going to him, and it was working. Well, and we talked about the, the three safety setup. With a linebacker coming off the field and the safety coming on, Heath Miller is the is the tight end this week that the, no, well, the Giants will have to go he's up out. against. He's Heath out. Miller, I'm sorry, he's out. Uh, are you at all concerned about the Steelers' tight ends coming into this game, having the kind of week they had, and do you think that three safety setup, particularly the emergence – of Stevie Brown, who I believe leads the league in takeaways right now. Is that a major concern for you, the tight ends for the Steelers? Sure, sure. I mean, you really you really have to slow down the tight end if you're the Giants, especially since um, – uh, or excuse me, Heath Miller is playing. I don't know what, right. I, what I was reading okay. here. But yeah, so you wow, really, I, I was stunned. I'm like, yeah, man, that yeah. happened quick. I mean, Heath, what do you do, fall out of the bathtub um, wrong? Come on. <laughs> well, well, Kenny Phillips is coming back from the MC, right. MCL injury, and, and you're really – really going to need to slow down the middle of the field and short middle. And I think that that's what you can do with three safeties. You also have that luxury. You can move one up. You can keep two back. You can keep three deep. I mean, you can do so many things with three safeties on the field. and uh, It is going to be tough for them to stop that passing game. And you throw a safety on Heath Miller, that's that's better than throwing a linebacker on Heath Miller. And I agree with that sentiment for sure. I've seen him tear up the Cleveland Browns enough. I've, I've seen enough of that. T.J. Ward just can't keep up. Time to make a couple predictions here. We had a rough week. Yeah. Julian and Nick did not. They had a great week. They had a phenomenal week in the back, and that's why we leave them in the back. We don't want to hear when they yeah. have great weeks. We, we don't want to hear about it at I, all, no. I don't hear you gloating, Julian. No, no gloating for either of them. Uh, they are both making the same pick, and I'll get to that in a minute. I'm taking the G-men in this one. I know that the Steelers have a penchant for coming through on games like this, but with them traveling the day of, with uh, you know the Giants getting healthy, uh, with I think Eli set up to have a really good game. To me, I go with the Giants, even though the Steeler defense is always, as always, as advertised, very good. Kenny. Well, I see uh, DJ Sixsmith back there, and I know he's really going to hate this pick, but oh, no. I got to go with the Steelers. I'm going. 24 to 17 Steelers are going to win this game. They the I'm, Stellars. The the Giants it, they're much like the Jets. You never know. You never know what's going to happen. Oh, the come Steelers, on. They're 6 and 2. I, I, you don't it's game. This has this is one of those games Mike that the Giants could lose. And hey, I mean they're still not in that much trouble if they lose this game. I think Big Ben wants it. And they Julian Clip this and keep it for next week. Because the Steelers are going to win. I really no, not clip. at all, because we are going to laugh at you next week clip. on the this Steelers show. Are win. I'll bring them in to laugh into these microphones before so that we have a laugh track. So I'll be prepared next week. We're playing this for sure. Let's do it. Nick and Julian, of course, the, the smarter of the quad uh, that we have here. 
are picking the G-Men, <laughs> and Steve Seminari is in the back. And, Steve, you are going with the Giants. So it's Kenny Ducey on Revis Island. Uh, on, on Miller Island here. Heath Miller. Heath Miller Island. Fair enough. Time to switch gears here. No more New York teams. We get it. You're, 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 you're listening from other places. We understand. We'll talk about something else. General NFL time. And, of course, we talked about Hurricane Sandy in advance here during the Giants uh, segment a couple minutes ago. And, again, obviously our thoughts and prayers go to those affected by the storm, both here and elsewhere. Um, and the NFL and the NFLPA donating a million dollars each to Sandy Relief, uh, I think a really stand-up gesture on both of their parts. Oh, absolutely. And the NFL always does a great job yes. with this, the breast cancer awareness, the pink flags last week. I, I'm really happy that they're doing this, and uh, just a, just great to see from the, from the NFL and the players that they do care, and uh, it, it is a, a great step to help these, these victims because, I mean, there's a lot of work to be done cleaning up a lot of these cities. And obviously New Jersey hit hard, and, of course, that's where you'll find the Meadowlands. Time to talk about some other things here. We're going to pick the Philly game later on. Uh, last week, it, it really hit home. Michael Vick actually could get benched. It finally, I think, <laughs> hit everybody. Think about. This could be legitimate. The guy who got this massive contract, who came out of basically nowhere. I mean, he, he was a backup for, for, the, for the Eagles after serving time for the dogfighting incidents uh, earlier on in his career. Came out of nowhere, took over, and and was a pro bowler and potentially comeback player of the year, even though he only started, what, eight games that year. Yeah, but... Is is it time to bench Michael Vick? No. No? No, do not bench Glory Michael Glory Foles? Nick Foles, come on. Full, no Foles. There are no Foles going on. It is a no Foles zone, Mike. No Foles. <laughs> Mike, Mike. It is a fool zone. I, I, <laughs> I think We're you're a fool the Eagles, right now. It, certain is, it certainly is. I, come on, man. You can't bench Michael Vick. He's been erratic. He's been bad at, at times this season. But, I mean, he still is your, your quarterback of the future. And, uh, I mean, not, there's not a huge future ahead of him. But he's he's Michael Vick. He's talented. He can make the throw, I think. And if you really want to see Foles and you really think that Foles could take this team somewhere, why not have Mike Vick run the ball? And if he gets hurt, it's Foles time. I mean, that's as simple as it is. When Michael Vick runs the ball... He fumbles. He, he gets when hurt. Michael Vick he runs the ball, he, he fumbles. He doesn't fumble, per se. He gets hurt. He gets he gets injured. And in the process, generally coughs up the football. Well, I mean, we've seen some interesting fumbles this year, especially from Santonio Holmes getting hurt. But I, I, I'm telling you, I still, I still believe in Michael Vick. And I, come on, Foles is not going to do better than Michael Vick does. If anything... Get the running game going more. LaShawn McCoy, very talented. Get him involved. So you're you're saying maybe it's it's still Michael Vick time. Fair enough. For for uh, a little longer. It, I guess the real question is is if 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 Andy Reid benches Michael Vick and the season goes down the tubes, does he lose his job at the end of the year? Is there one way or the other that will help him save his job it, if this team doesn't it, make the playoffs? It, it, it feels like Andy Reid's going to go sometime soon. It really does. It really feels like they're close to firing him, and I think it could happen, Mike. I mean, if you bench this guy, this franchise player, and, and you lose more games, I mean, what, how is how, that's his fault. I mean, that's, that has to fall on Andy Reid. Well, and as the Beatles say, the walrus is Paul. In this case, the walrus is Andy Reid, but... 
that's not the only big event that came up here uh, last week uh, that caused a stir. Alex Smith nearly, didn't quite get it, nearly had a record on Monday Night Football. And they sent it to the league. I have not seen whether or not they got back to it. And apparently Julian in the back saying they did not approve this record. It was highest completion percentage for a game in league history. Smith goes 18 for 19 against that formerly vaunted Arizona Cardinal defense. (laughs) And there was a backwards lateral, an eight-yard pass to Michael Crabtree that was ruled a lateral, not a pass. Had it been a pass, it would have been 19 for 20. That's the record. You You need 20 attempts. Otherwise, 18 for 19, and Michael Crabtree had a nice uh, eight-yard carry that, in the grand scheme of things, does not matter. Jim Harbaugh saying, quote, it was definitely a pass. Uh, I'm looking at the NFL tape right now. It was definitely not a pass. Do you do you agree with that yeah, sentiment? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with it. They're just trying to get the record. And, I, you know, I'm looking at an article as well, I see – Alex Smith was chauffeuring Matt Cannon, his gorgeous wife, around it during the parade <laughs> that they had for the World Series. So I guess that's what he's doing when he's not getting these records. I, look. What a poor life. <laughs> Don't you just... Come on, man. Driving a Mercedes with, with Matt Cain and a, his stunning wife, really <laughs> stunning. But uh, I mean, he had a tremendous game. I was very impressed with it. and He ripped apart these Cardinals. Remember the remember the Cardinals were very relevant? Wasn't this about four, what, five, four weeks ago, right? Yeah, they were 4-0. and I read an article on The Onion that, that I got a real kick out of. It said, Cardinals fan, 8-year-old Cardinals fan, doesn't know what's coming yet. <laughs> and it's this kid crying because he, he's realizing that they just they suck. I mean, they're <laughs> terrible. Uh, he doesn't fully understand no, what it means to be a Cardinals no, fan. No, not one bit, uh, which <laughs> is phenomenal. And I'm looking again, and, and the ball was thrown from the 9 and caught at the 8 by Crabtree. I think it's no doubt that that was a lateral. It's no doubt. Mike, it's it Michael again. Crabtree's fault. You have to no, – I'm kidding. It's, it's, <laughs> there's nothing you, you, nothing you can do about that except for throw the ball one more time. If you really want to complain, you should have thrown it one more time. Of I mean, course, I, you know, if he had missed that pass, uh, Kurt Warner holds the record right now as 24 of 26 for none other than the Arizona Cardinals – uh, in 2009, that's 92.3%. If he had thrown an incomplete pass, Smith would have finished 18 of 20, uh, uh, which would have been 90 per, 90%, pardon. And, and and no offense to our our, our, our boy uh, John Skelton, but people would love to see Kurt Warner back in an Arizona Cardinals uniform right about now. You know, look, he if he's working right now, Kurt Warner, if you're listening right now, and I know you have better things no, to he's, do. He's listening right now, He's Mike. listening right now. Kurt, look, uh, I, I know you're bagging groceries right now. I know that you retired from that for a little bit to play some pro football. Come back. We miss you. <laughs> that, that, was that Kurt Warner or Mark Bolger? They both had crazy stories <laughs> to get to the league. It, it, they both had crazy stories to get to the league. <laughs> I never I never fully understood Mark Bolger because he made one. It was his birthday one time, and he had a tremendous – he had just like an eight-yard touchdown pass to Torrey Holt, and everyone went nuts. Like, Mark Bolger, he's, he's our savior. It's Mark Bolger time. And he, okay, he would throw for a bunch of yards, but the Rams consistently lost, and now Kurt Warner both bagging groceries and bagging Marshall Falk's opinions on the NFL Network. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, there is one last uh, topic, though, that I want to switch to. Obviously, uh, poor Alex Smith. We we feel for him. Uh, that was his chance uh, to finally make NFL history. And alas, Woof. nothing. Woof, indeed. 
I know this is something that, that you want to comment on, so I'll let you open this up here. Patriots make a trade for a cornerback at the deadline. Go. Well, well you were saying that yes. now the best corner it belong in the NFC AFC East belongs to the Patriots. I disagree. I think Antonio Cromartie has shown over the past couple of weeks filling in for Darrell Rivas that he is the best corner in Tlaib the AFC East. is not the best corner. Number, the, he's number two. He's number a, two. A keep to and I'm sure I'm sure Antonio Cromartie would agree with me here. <laughs> a keep to leave. Tremendous talent, and the Patriots, they needed desperately, they needed help in the secondary. McCourty has not been getting it done, Mike, and none of those guys in the secondary have. He's going to provide a huge boost. The Patriots, they'll, they'll play some of these other opponents. They'll play the Jets. He'll shut down, I guess, Curly he'll shut down. And, you know, then when they play the Dolphins, they'll probably shut down Devon Bess and other, other difficult opponents. You look playoff time. You look at all these teams. They'll have a legitimate Andre Johnson, a legitimate threat. Now you have Aqib Tlaib there. Provide a little bit of help in the secondary. I like that move a lot. That was a great move by the Patriots. Yeah, and again, this is another Bill Belichick getting it done, obviously. I, they, I mean, do you, do you, everyone hates this guy because he gets everyone. <laughs> they have, well, they signed like five tight ends to their roster. The Giants fans hate him because they, they took Ballard. I mean, it's ridiculous, Mike. Yeah, and obviously you look at the trade. It was a fourth-rounder. From Tampa Bay, or sorry, from uh, from from the Patriots for a seventh rounder in Talib, who is troubled is probably a good way to put it. Uh, but he is very very talented. Yeah. And how much better does this make the Patriots? Because really, this is the only major splash, I guess, of the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, Mike Thomas isn't making headlines anymore. No, not today. really. Look, I mean, the Patriots. What was the one thing you knocked them for? They had a bad bad defense. They had a bad secondary, and now you have a keep to leave to help out. You have a little bit of a running game. You've always had Tom Brady in the passing game and, and some sort of receiving core there. So, I mean, right now the Patriots are looking very good, Mike. So we're, we'll leave it there with the Patriots and Tampa Bay making that trade there at the deadline. Mike Thomas, as you said, just just not <laughs> just not a big name, Kenny. Not quite. But it's time to talk some fantasy with Steve Seminary. It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the top pickups of the week? Plus, start them or sit them to help you win your league. And there's nobody better to ask here than Steve Seminary. Let's bring him on here. Steve, uh, hopefully you got here all right. Yeah, it was down not too bad in uh, Bay Ridge, but a lot of areas around me affected pretty bad. But life moves on. So. And, and he makes it up here, of course. And, and uh, let's go ahead and lead off with our quarterbacks here. I started... Um, uh, Philip Rivers on Thursday night, so you can't help me there and tell me in hindsight not to start him. But Wasn't a it, bad start, though. No, it ended up working out okay. Who are you looking at this week? Well, last week I said to sit, sit Matthew Stafford, and he threw for three yep, touchdowns. I started him. But this week I would get him <laughs> back in my lineup. He should keep rolling against the Jaguars, who have allowed multiple touchdowns to every quarterback they face in the past five games. So I, I was wrong about Matthew Stafford, and he's looking to get back on track. Also, I would start Josh Freeman, who has been hot of late. Only Aaron Rodgers has been better during the past three weeks with 98 fantasy points compared to his 92. And this week he goes up against the Raiders. So get both those quarterbacks in your lineup. So those are some guys that, that we're looking at. And obviously, who are you starting? Are you going again with, with Stafford? Oh, oh I have gone with Stafford every week. And it's a two-QB league. Mark Sanchez is on by, so I'm going with Christian Ponder this week. Christian Ponder, your thoughts on that? Interesting you say Christian Ponder because oh, he's boy. on my sit list. Hey, well, you know what? I didn't listen to you last week, so maybe Ponder's going to have a big week. Oh, boy. Oh, can't be wrong all the time. He said he has been miserable of late with 19 fantasy points in his past two games combined against Arizona and Tampa Bay. So 
I would put him on my bench if I could, but you don't got many options, so. Jake Locker's hurt and Sam says I'm in there. Another name I would sit, though, is Ryan Fitzpatrick of Buffalo. Despite having only two games with fewer than 19 fantasy points, this week he faced a stingy Texans defense who've allowed only two quarterbacks to get at least 19 points this year. So those two quarterbacks, I would get on my bench, and I would look elsewhere. All right, now, Steve, moving over to running backs, you got the Niners on a bye. A lot of people loving Frank Gore. You got the injury to Donald Brown. He's coming back. Uh, he came back last week. What do you expect from Brown, first off, and then who are your stardoms and sit Well, like I said last week with Donald Brown, Vic Ballard is still there, and Donald Brown is just coming back from injury. And that's a little tricky with having both of them in the rotation now. I don't know if one of them is going to have a bigger game than the other. So I would stay away from both of them, and I would look to maybe a guy like Rashad Jennings of the Jaguars. Despite only running for 59 yards last week, with Maurice Jones-Drew still out, he will get the majority of the touches and should produce some points. I said last week to start him, and I'm saying it again. Also, I like Brown's running back, Trent Richardson. He's looked solid so far, and I think he'll keep it going against a depleted Ravens defense. Last week, they were concerned about his ribs, but he ran the ball 24 times for 122 yards and a touchdown, proving he is just fun. So Trent Richardson, hopefully coming around as a Browns fan, I'm, I'm sure hoping you're right. Is there a guy that you look at where he's just not going to get his this week? Yeah, no fantasy owner has been hearing this name a lot this year, but Chris Johnson should be on the Pines this week against the Bears. Despite starting to turn things around with his performance against Pittsburgh, he goes up against a Chicago defense that hasn't allowed a running back to score since Donald Brown of Week 1. So I would get him off my, on my bench, and I would also sit Larod Stephen Howling of the Cardinals. He will remain the starter, but his performance in Week 8 against the 49ers with three fantasy points is closer to what you can expect than his 20-point outing against the Vikings in Week 7. So get those two on your bench and look through maybe the waiver wire. Is any Cardinals running back safe? It seems like none of them can run the football, Steve. Well, that team really is a mess with Kevin Cole being out. Not a lot of options there running back now with Noah uh, Beanie Wells. Of course. So that team's a little bit of a mess. The offense being run by Fordham Grad, obviously, John Skelton. And he's only in his second year. So I don't put a lot of faith in any of those receivers, running backs, or quarterbacks until they really get it going, maybe. Yeah, they should just have Larry Fitzgerald throw, pa- throw, catch, and run the ball, really. They should have him do everything. But Well, talking uh, about Fitzgerald, let's talk about wide receivers. Fair enough. Yeah. I know you like this one, Mike, too. I would start Josh Gordon of the Browns. Yeah. The Ravens have given up three touchdowns to receivers in the past two games, which have both been played without star cornerback Ladarius Webb. I look for Gordon to have a big week against the Ravens this Sunday. So, go ahead. Uh, so you would you would start him over? Would you? Who would you start him over? Let's say. Well, like, I have Larry Fitzgerald and Josh Gordon. If I have one spot, who are you? Oh, who are you giving that to? Fitzgerald hasn't gotten anything done the past few weeks. I haven't had a ten point outing from him in weeks. Gordon's coming off a four point performance, though. Yeah, Gordon's also look at who he's playing. He's playing a, a completely depleted Ravens defense. Well, instead. Like I said, I like Josh Gordon to start over guys like Kenny Britton, Sidney Wright, who I'll get into in a minute. One more guy to keep in mind to start, Titus Young of the Lions. With Nate Burleson out for the rest of the season, you can count on Young to, being, to get a ton of looks. He had nine catches for 100 yards and two touchdowns last week against the Seahawks, and I think he will continue rolling. But in terms of sitting, I would have Kenny Britt and Rice on my bench, like I said. Kenny Britt of the Titans is not fully, not fully healthy yet. And I would stay away from most Titans as they're going against the Chicago defense. And Sidney Rice, <clears throat> playing against his former team, the Minnesota Vikings, who have done a solid job of limiting number one receivers thanks to Antoine Winfield. He scored last week at Detroit, but the last time he scored in consecutive games was in 2009 
went playing for those Vikings. Oof. So get those guys on your bench. All right. He's, well, he's not starting Mike Thomas this week. I mean, I mean no. I mean, obviously, <laughs> uh, not not a name that that's been talked about a lot. We've we've mentioned that already. <laughs> Now, look, whether you got Jason Witten or not last week, we will still trust your ability to pick tight ends. Who's starting on, on your tight ends? I like Greg Olson against the Washington Redskins. The, the Skins have surrendered the second-most fantasy points to opposing tight ends, with seven touchdowns allowed, and I think Olsen will continue to trend. Sitting, I would get Brent Selleck of the Eagles on my bench. He has just one touchdown on the season and has now reached double digits in fantasy points since week two. And with Michael Vick and Flux, I would I would stay away from most Eagles at this point. And so that's a pretty good look. Is there any player on your team right now that, that you want to ask about? Oh, I was just going to say is there a guy? Vernon, Vernon Davis. Now he's on a bye. I have Martellus Bennett, luckily, to fill in. But anyone who's got Davis or a comparable tight end on the bye week, you looking at anybody on the on the waiver wire here? Oh, with Fred Davis out in Washington, you could maybe look to a guy like Chris Cooley or whatever that's options true. Washington yeah. does have. So and, he'll, he'll be getting plenty of touches at tight end. So you got to look to see the injury report. A lot of tight ends banged up. Jimmy Graham was banged up last week. He played, so make sure the guys that you're going to replace are indeed not playing. And Chris Cooley available in 99% of leagues. So there's a waiver wire pickup for you. Now, look, Alex Smith is in the back right now, but we already have a recording of him talking about the crystal ball, which we're going to look into right now. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. Do I need to say every week how much I love this music? Oh, is that even great. necessary? I know. Let's take a look at last week. The Watts and the Deuce just not getting it done here. Three and five last week. I apologize. If, if you were betting with me, my, <laughs> my apologies. Uh, Legerfo and Atienza, six and two. And Steve, you're treading water at four and four, but you nailed the upset pick. Of the century, the Browns over the Chargers. I can't believe it. He nailed that. 7-6, that score. So the standings, Watts, Atienza, Legerfo, 34-20. Ducey is 11-11. Mack, he leaves, but he is 26-20. And And we've got Seminary sitting around 500. You're two games over 500. So work to be done, boys. Let's see. Let's get into the games here. Let's begin. We already got the Giants. Everybody going with the Giants except for Kenny. That's right. Carolina at Washington. Kenny. RG3 going to get me over the 500 mark. Cam Steve. Newton's going to wake up. Carolina's going to get that W. Glad to hear that. Someone's disagreeing with me because I'm going with Washington. We go with Nick. He says Washington. Julian, he thinks it's Cam Newton time. So we've got another guy going with Cam Newton and the Panthers. Tampa is in Oakland. Dirt infield. Does it make a difference? Oakland's going to win this one, Mike. They're, they got it coming. They got to win it's one home game. Field advantage. They're going to win mean, one of these games. <laughs> All right. Like I said earlier, Josh Friedman and the Buccaneers. So he's going with the Buccaneers. I'm I'm going to say uh, I'll go with Oakland. Carson Paul. They try. You know, that's enough for me. Tampa says Nick and Julian. He's going with Deraitis too. So fair enough. Carson Palmer getting some love. Minnesota's in Seattle, CenturyLink Field, tough place to play. Does that mean Seattle wins, Kenny? It means Adrian Peterson goes all day. I'm taking Minnie. Got Minnesota as well. Minnesota for both of them. You know what? I'm going with Seattle. As for Nick, he says Seattle. Julian, Seattle, I'm going with the cool kids in the back. Dallas is in Hotlanta, Atlanta, whatever you want to call it. Kenny. I'm going to continue making my strange picks, and I'm going to go with Dallas in this one. Romo is going to throw for over 350 yards. Mike. Steve. Falcons keep rolling. 
Falcons for me as well. We go to Nick. He says Atlanta. And Julian, I wrote it down here as Hotlanta. Is that okay? That's fine. He says that's appropriate. Fair enough. The Toilet Bowl. Who the heck saw this coming? Philly is in New Orleans. How dare we give this? What a terrible game this turns out to be. And so it's the Eagles at New Orleans. Kenny. Alex is going to love me. I'm going with the Eagles. The bye week going to help. And Mike Vick getting back on track. That's not going to make people like you. Fair enough. Got to agree with the Deucey here. <laughs> He's going with the Deuce. We so got the Eagles me. fans. He does like you. As for Julian, he says New Orleans. Nick says Philly. And you want to know something? I got to go with New Orleans because anything Julian says is gold. <laughs> upset. Let's switch it up. Steve, give me an upset pick. You ready? The Buffalo Bills taking down the Houston Texans. What? Ten-point dog. <laughs> wow. All right, I got another. I got another head scratch for you. Jacksonville is going to beat Detroit. <laughs> As long as Blaine Gabbert throws to Justin Blackman. Please, Blaine. Please, Blaine, throw to Justin. This is great music for what is happening in this room. I mean, this is like Batman. I don't know what's going on here. Indianapolis over Miami, says Nick. And uh, went went to Julian. He, he goes against the trend. Tennessee over the Bears. I like that one. And I'll close it out with uh, Indianapolis at home over Miami after their great win against the Jets. Those are all the picks. That's it. Who's going to win picks this week? Anyone want to want to uh, venture a guess? I'll win picks. You're, you're going to win. I. You know what? I think DJ Sixsmith wins picks. He's not even on the show this week. It'll be Mac. Mac will win. <laughs> Always wins. Mac will win. And you want to know something? He he was he was in the race for the top there. So I need to I need to start getting his picks back. But I think that just about covers it this week. We will see you back again next week. Until then, for Kenny Ducey doing the. The other side of the table with me here, Steve Seminary on Fantasy, Julian Atienza, and Nick LeGerfo behind the glass. I'm Mike Watts, and go Browns. <laughs> this has been One-on-One's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as the guys take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.